Well, I'd like to, uh, since we ended this morning with a question, uh, I'd like just to take that up at the start of the meeting tonight. And um, what the basic question was <clears throat> from the uh, story in Hebrews 11 and 12 was, uh, was the Passover deliverance made available to the Egyptians? Now, the question was put out not so much for any uh, uh, debate per se, but primarily just to highlight the fact that the greater uh, redemption uh, story is is open to everybody, right? So the, the final answer, if you will, is if, the, you know, the, uh, the deliverance from sin, the bondage of sin is available to whosoever. But my uh, question this morning was, was the uh, Passover deliverance of the firstborn, was that made available to the Egyptians, per se? So um, I had several, well, a few comments. And before I give my answer, I'd like to see any, anybody with any uh, answer on that. Did the Egyptians have opportunity to be delivered and receive the, uh, or have the deliverance of their firstborn? Okay, I shall proceed with my uh, thoughts on that. Um, First of all, I, I don't, obviously there's no definite scripture that says so, at least as far as I could see. But we know from a previous plague um, in Hebrews chapter 9 that he that feared the Lord, the word of the Lord, this is Hebrews 9, I mean ex Hebrews, Exodus 9.20, he that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Now I know that's just talking about the one plague, um, but they did have opportunity there. And you can imagine by now that they must have been tired. In fact, uh, the, the, later on in 10.7, uh, Pharaoh's servants said to Pharaoh, how long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you know that Egypt is destroyed? So obviously there were some in the, uh, the uh, palace of Pharaoh that, that would have went along and just let the people go. But we, we, uh, Brother Aaron brought out to us last week that uh, God, uh, well, there was a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is to give this greater picture of redemption in the Passover. So let it run out to the end of the ten plagues. But... Uh, then we know that God also allowed Pharaoh to be raised up that his name might be known throughout all the world. But to answer the question, uh, it does seem that there was opportunity earlier. And then in chapter, um, I can't even read my own writing here, uh, the, oh, the mixed multitude, right? In, in chapter 12, the mixed multitude that went out, there was a, there were, evidently there was Egyptians that went out. Now, whether they had their firstborn delivered, I don't know. And we know that that mixed multitude later became a problem. Uh, but there was others besides uh, Israelites that went out. And then, uh, when the, which we'll touch on this in a few minutes anyway, when Moses went into Pharaoh, this is what he said. 
Thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh. This is chapter 11, verse 5. Uh, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits on the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as what there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord hath put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So he did make this announcement. Oh, and then he says, And all these servants shall come down to me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get out, and all the people that follow you. So who's all the people that follow you? Um, obviously, the, the Israelites. But was there any Egyptians? We don't know. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. But yet, one more thought that would work against them having opportunity it came to pass, chapter 12, verse 29, it came to pass at midnight that the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was one dead. There was not one dead. So what we can conclude from that is every house had one dead. Right now, in the obviously in the house of, a, of, of an, uh, an Israelite, it would be the Passover lamb that was dead as a substitute. But was uh, was it available? Well, yes, you have uh, uh, something to add. Verse three. Well, three. The redemption of the The congregation of Israel. No, I, I'm with you. I don't know that it was, but, but I'm, just, I'm just pointing out that there was earlier interaction that the Egyptians, they'd had enough of this man, Moses, right? And he became great in their sight. And, and, and was there, uh, did any of them, you know, it doesn't really specifically say, we know Pharaoh's firstborn, right? We've, we've heard that back when Rob Sullivan was with us, right? The little, did you, everybody pick up on that? The little inscription on the, uh, what was it, the uh, Sphinx or something that the, the uh, it was another son of Pharaoh, right, that, that, that was the actual, that became Pharaoh because something happened <laughs> and they believe it was the firstborn plague. All right, so that, that's where we left off there and it was just, again, it was not prompted or, or put forth to cause any debate, but just to point out that, that the far greater redemption uh, uh, program is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us, and that's made known to whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So Lord willing, we'll just make a few comments then, uh, starting in chapter 11. It would seem that verse 1 through 3 are a bit parenthetical. And if we started at 1029, when Pharaoh and Moses are interacting, uh, the, the interaction would take up in verse number four. That's what it would seem like, because he, he begins to speak again to Pharaoh. But just a few comments there on uh, one through three. Um, they were to ask of the neighbors. You wonder why this happened, you know, uh, to, to, bar, uh, to ask jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Well, it says the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. 
The man Moses was very great in the land, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So, uh, you know, again, it, it would seem as if the is Egyptians wanted them out, and, and Mo God had allowed Moses to be very great in, the, in, in, in their sight in the land of Egypt, and we believe that the uh, goods or the wealth that they received from the Egyptians uh, no doubt were used later in the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness. But we notice here that Moses, the man Moses, was very great in the land of Egypt. Now, it's, it's a remarkable thing, isn't it? Because Moses wasn't always like that, right? Moses was called of God back in chapter number 3, and to be called of God brings a sense of personal weakness and inability. And that's exactly what Moses portrayed, right? Lord, he says, I can't speak, right? I, I'm weak. I can't, I can't do these things. Maybe you should get somebody else. But so to be called of God brings a, a, a sense of personal weakness and inability to fulfill that call. But God did call Moses. But to go on in obedience. Now there's where the difference comes in, right? There's where the difference comes in. When, when Moses was called of God, he felt weak and inadequate and insufficient. I can't do this. But to go on in obedience and see the hand of God gives confidence and strength. Now, from this point on, here he says Moses was very great in their sight. That doesn't mean that from then on there wouldn't be stumbling blocks. There was, right? When they got into the wilderness and so forth. But you can see how when God calls a person, we see from the life of Moses that at the beginning there was this sense of personal weakness. But as one goes on in, in obedience, the hand of God is seen and that gives confidence and strength to move on to fulfill the calling of the Lord. Now we see here also that this last blow would be, as we touched on this morning, would be uh, dealt by Jehovah himself. And you know, when you think about it, this is a very serious matter, right? God, Jehovah himself bringing this plague on. Imagine what it would have been like to be, to be the firstborn in the family in Egypt, right? And, and, and that night... Your firstborn brother or sister, gone, dead. I mean, this is a very serious matter. And one, you know, some might make it a moral matter. But you know what we know from the scripture that, that Jehovah, the Lord, is the judge of all the earth. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? So there are many issues, even in our day, where we say, how? And, and people, this is a, 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 a apologetic matter. You know, people will say, if your God is so loving and kind, why does he allow all of these things? But God, remember, we, uh, we, we understand that we have to let God be God, right? And he is the judge of all the earth. And he, uh, Abraham says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? So, that, though, you, you know, again, we don't want to uh, uh, lessen the fact this was a very serious plague. But it was announced way back in chapter 4, right? Way back in chapter 4 and that this would happen. And then when, when Moses confronted uh, uh, a pharaoh, he said it again here in our chapter, and we know that this was the final blow, and he just threw them out. But what a hardened, steeled, obstinate, stubborn heart Pharaoh had all the way to the end there, right? But again, we know that the Lord allowed it for this cause. He says, I have raised you up that my name might be known throughout all the earth. I will stretch out my hand. So he allowed Pharaoh to be raised up 
that his name might be known. Now, Pharaoh wouldn't know the name, right? Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Pharaoh wouldn't know the name, but the Lord allowed Pharaoh to be raised up so others may know the name. Isn't that remarkable? So others may know the name. Remember Rahab. We have heard what your God did, right, to, to Egypt. We have heard. So, so Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, right? She, she, what, what does she deserve? Well, she had heard about what God did in Egypt and Pharaoh, right? And she came to faith. By faith, Rahab the harlot perished not with them that believed not. Right, says Hebrews chapter 11. So a wonderful truth there that uh, we find, though it was a serious matter, that God would take the firstborn in the land, but announced, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now, let's just go move into chapter 12, and we'll just make a few points and then, and then be uh, finished here. So there was a lamb. This is an interesting point. We, just, we, we touched briefly on the fact that the lamb was referred to as the Passover lamb. The blood would be shed. And it says if the household be too little for the lamb, let, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Not the lamb too little for the house, but the household too little for the lamb. And we know it's the same with the Lord Jesus. He's sufficient and meets our need as our true Passover lamb. And, and speaking of the lamb, we have, if we look at it, if we take it as a whole, in the, in the whole of Scripture, we have in, in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, in Genesis chapter 4, there's a lamb for an individual, right? Abel was bringing a sacrifice. There was a lamb for an individual. In Exodus chapter 12, there's a lamb for the family or the household. In Isaiah chapter 53, he is led as a lamb to the slaughter. There's a lamb for the nation, right? And then in John 1.29, the well-known verse, there's a lamb for the world, right? Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So it's a lovely, lovely picture as we see the lamb through the word of God. You have uh, the lamb uh, prophesied, right, in, in, uh, in, in Genesis there. God will provide himself a lamb. You, you have... Uh, the lamb identified in John chapter 1. And you have the lamb uh, glorified in, in, in Revelation. There's a number of ways we can look at the lamb, and, and it's a lovely, lovely picture of our Lord Jesus. But a lamb for an individual in Abel's day, a lamb for a family right here in Exodus chapter 12, a lamb for a nation in Isaiah 53. He will be led as a lamb to the slaughter, and then a lamb for the world in uh, John 1.29. And that must have come as a bombshell to the nation, right? Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. They had been used to having the regular, the routine sacrifices of lambs, but here was one that would take away the sin of the world. Now just a little note about leaven. We, we, we commented through the other verses about uh, the Lord would pass through Egypt and smite the firstborn and so forth and against all the gods of Egypt. We commented a little bit about that this morning and it uh, so we'll just uh, move on here from that where the this this uh, dramatic rescue was accomplished by a life given on behalf of others that Passover lamb had to die but the other thing they had to do besides uh, sacrifice the lamb and, and uh, put the blood on the doorpost and the lentil is you shall eat uh, uh, unleavened bread there was this matter of unleavened bread and the reason was it's given later in the chapter 
the people took their dough. This is chapter 12, verse 34, 33 and 34. The Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out. For we, They said, we be all dead men. The people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their cloths upon their shoulders, and they had to go out. So there was a practical reason why this happened. But we see later, uh, well, well, of course, the command was given to eat unleavened bread. And that evidently was the practical reason. But the Lord said, put away leaven out of your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day into the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So the, the leaven had to be put out. Now, again, you, you, some of your translations, some of the translations might say yeast or leaven. And th that becomes, in the word of God, right, a picture or a type of sin. And we know that from the New Testament where the Lord Jesus himself warns of leaven a number of times. He spoke, for instance, of the leaven of the Pharisees, cold religionists. He spoke of the leaven of Herod, political extremists. He spoke of the leaven of the Sadducees, religious humanists. So there was this warning that the Lord gave about the leaven of various things, right? The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven of Herod. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about the leaven of malice and wickedness, right? To, uh, perhaps that is the matter of unjudged sin. But whatever it is, this matter of leaven is very, very important in the word of God. What is leaven? Yeast put in dough for baking bread. It causes, now I'm not a baker, so uh, those that do bake, you can correct me on this. But it causes the dough to rise uh, by making pockets of air, Right? And there's three things that we could note about yeast or leaven that uh, seem to be so. And again, the bakers in the audience may correct me on this. But it works silently, hiding there in the dough. It brings rapid growth uh, and no added weight. And the progress is arrested by the flame. It ceases uh, the work in a fully baked loaf. So the Lord, though, warns about leaven. And here, that the, the feast of the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread seem to be always linked together. And this is the uh, introduction of it here in Exodus chapter number 12. Now then, in, later in chapter number 12, when Moses called for the elders of Israel and actually said to you know, put this into practice, draw out and take a lamb, 1221, according to your families, and kill the Passover. Well, that was, of course, the lamb, kill the Passover. And then the next uh, step is take a bunch of hyssop. Now, that's the first mention of this uh, uh, substance, this uh, hyssop. Evidently, it's uh, a plant, but it used always hyssop when it's mentioned in the Bible. It seems to be used in the matter of cleansing of sin, whether it's in Leviticus 14 regarding the cleansing of the leper, Levi uh, Numbers number 19 in the red heifer, and then uh, David says in Psalm 51, purge me with hyssop. That was about the cleansing of sin. And it's interesting, isn't it, that when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, what did they take, right? They put hyssop on a pole, right, and put it up to his mouth as he uh, became the true Passover lamb to bear away our sin, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hyssop is used again there. And then notice in verse number 26, it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what do you mean by this service? 
that you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel. Now, what does this tell us? <laughs> the Lord is interested, right, in families, and he's interested that parents should obey and be able to explain the word of God, right? Your children, our children come. What do you mean? Why do we do this? Um, we trust that all of us, especially when it comes, well, here it was the, 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 the Passover feast, and they, would, they were told to, to understand. But let's take it a step further into New Testament uh, or, or church practice. Why do you do this? Do we have a scriptural reason? Can we explain why certain things are done here and not at the church down the street? Why do you do this? Why do you remember the Lord Jesus every single Sunday? Why don't we do it once a month? Why don't we do it every quarter? Why don't we do it once a year? Why do the ladies cover their heads? All of these things we want to be able to explain. And that's the principle set forth here. The children shall say to you, what do you mean by this service? The parents should be able to explain. And this wasn't the only matter, right? There was other uh, matters in, in, uh, mentioned in Deuteronomy and in Joshua and in Exodus as well, about uh, in this book as well, about where the parents should be able to understand why certain things were done and explain it to the children. You know, it's, it's, it's a valid point that uh, when it came to uh, second and third generation, right, I think, it's, I think it's born out in the book of Judges where they just didn't know why certain things were, were happening, and they, that, that's one of the reasons for the defection and going into worshiping idols and so forth. It, the, it, we want to have grounded parents, grounded children, right, to know what we do, why we do, to be able to explain the Word of God. Now just oh, let the preacher do that. Let the pastor do that. Let your Sunday school teacher do that. No, we want to be able to know what we do, why we do, and to be uh, able to give an answer. Uh, to our family, to our children, to those around us, what we do and why we do. And we notice also in this verse in Exodus uh, 12, 27, notice what he says that gives a, a good explanation of this matter of the Passover. It is the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. There's a twofold work there. The enemy is defeated and the people are delivered. And that's exactly what happened in our salvation, the greater redemption, right? There's an enemy defeated. I, uh, the, the, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Uh, the Lord, it says that the, in Hebrews, he, the Lord destroyed him who had the power of death, the devil, right? So there was an enemy defeated, but there was also a people delivered. The people of God were delivered by the blood of the Passover lamb. And that's what happens when you and I come to personal faith and trust in Christ. We live in a society, right? The God of this world is the ruler. He has domain. That's why he could say to, the, to Satan, uh, to Satan, to the Lord Jesus when he tempted him, all this will I give you. Well, if, if boys and girls, if, if, you know, born into this world aren't uh, uh, fed and understand the truth of God, they will, right? Come under the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in wickedness, right? So we need to beware uh, about these things and, and understand that when we come to faith in Christ, we're delivered. There's a defeated foe. Satan is a defeated foe, and we're delivered from the uh, bondage of sin. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to walk by faith and believe the word 
of God. And notice in verse number 28 as well, the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded. Intellectual agreement was not sufficient, right? They had to do what was told them. Oftentimes, we know the word of God, but we don't do the word of God, right? James warns us, be not only hearers of the word, but doers as well. And so the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And then verse 29, wow, what a verse. It came to pass that at midnight that the Lord smote all the firstborn. That is incredible when we stop and think about it, that all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Can you imagine right there at the top, what a, what a thing to think about Pharaoh and the grooming of that firstborn to take over the position of, of, of the king of the land. And at midnight, he wakes up. His firstborn is dead. Not just there in the palace, but all throughout the land of Egypt. And there, no wonder the Bible says that Pharaoh rose up in the night and there was a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt. Let's just close here with this one point. Look what Pharaoh says in verse 32. Take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Now, I see in that an acknowledgment by Pharaoh, right? He realized that there's something to this God that he said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Now he says, Oh, by the way, Mr. Moses, bless me also. Pharaoh acknowledged that Jehovah was greater than him and all his gods. By the way, Pharaoh was a god in Egypt. Can you imagine a little god calling on the true god? Bless me also. Bless me also. Because the lesser is blessed by the greater. Right? Pharaoh recognized, it seems in some measure, now he, we know that, that he initiated the chase, and eventually Pharaoh and all his men drowned in the Red Sea. We know that. But here, you know, it just, it just causes us to realize, right, that, that, that we can know something and not act on it. I think, you know, what, what an awful position to be in. Hardened. That's what the Lord did. He hardened Pharaoh in the position of his own character. He, he stood up against the Lord to say, I will not obey you. And it wasn't as if the Lord uh, hardened Pharaoh in, in his own attitude that, that he adopted. But yet, in it all, Pharaoh says, bless me also. Wow. What, a, what, a, what an irony, right? That Pharaoh said, bless me also. And we could say much more, but well, let me just say one more thing. They went out, right? Verse 37. Journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children, and then the mixed multitude went out. So how many went out? Well, if each of the 600,000 was married with two children, that could be near 2.5 million. doesn't say that they all had women and children, but whatever we know, it is a large group. You know, this matter is commented on a number of times in the Word of God. 
It's referred to again and again and again. Always the nation of Israel is to look back at, uh, as to what happened in this mighty deliverance. Uh, for instance, the psalm writer comments on it in Psalm 78, but he made his people to go forth like sheep, and he guided them in the wilderness like a flock. What a wonderful deliverance happened here. And again and again, they're, they're encouraged to look back and to see. And then one last point, and we'll close. Uh, verse 42. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generation. It is a night to be much observed. If they were delivered from this bondage and the Lord called on them to observe this feast, this matter of the Passover, shouldn't it be so that we, who are delivered from a greater bondage, should remember him? All should observe, it says, all. It should be observed by all the children of Israel. And if we liken that to our own remembrance of the Lord Jesus, remember it was at the Passover that he instituted the Lord's Supper. There are many a professing Christian that go around today with no regard for remembering the Lord. Here, he said it, it should be observed by all that were delivered. And may it be so in our own experience as well. For those of us who know the Lord Jesus, delivered by this great redemption that the Lord Jesus has provided to remember him in his own appointed way. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we're thankful <clears throat> for these lessons and many more that we did not even refer to. There's so much that can be learned here. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And so we thank you, our God, for these history lessons, yes, but history is his story. And his story begins at the very beginning. Lord, we thank you for the message of Christ Jesus our Lord and the bloodline that runs all the way through the Bible from that lamb for an individual all the way through for the lamb for the whole world, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you'll bless these few thoughts to our own hearts and minds, and may they become effective in our life as we not just hear the word, but do the word as well, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.